We've covered plenty of search applications here on the AI and Industry Podcast. We've interviewed executives and researchers focused on e-commerce search, focusing on the training of search engines and the sourcing of data in order to train unique search engines. But we haven't covered that much about enterprise search. As it turns out, large enough companies and brands end up having so much siloed data and information that it's not as easy as it is for some of us startup folks to simply type in a keyword into Google Drive and find what we're looking for. In fact, it's awful hard oftentimes for people in large businesses to find what they're looking for. There's different permissions and security levels or different kinds of questions that might be answered, and we would hope that for companies in the future, it'll be easier and easier to search for the answers we need, whether it's the parking policies for our particular office that we're going to work at, or whether it's some particular file that we need access to at a given time. How do we find that information in a sea of data that may not be labeled, organized, or sorted very well? And those are the questions that we aim to get to the bottom of in this week's episode on AI and industry. We interview Grant Ingersoll, who is the CTO and founder of LucidWorks. LucidWorks has hundreds of employees and they build AI-powered search and discovery applications for some of the world's biggest brands. Very, very big customers, including Moody's and Commvault and a number of other large companies that they service. Grant speaks with us about what's required and what's involved in building out a search application that can answer genuinely insightful questions, that can make the dark and misty world of corporate data more visible, more accessible in quicker order than the often very clunky process that exists today. And also, how is that going to have to evolve? In other words, how are data scientists and subject matter experts within these companies going to have to come together to build a data strategy so that search applications can be built out within a company that actually search their job? So without further ado, this is Grant Ingersoll of LucidWorks, and I'm Dan Fagella. You're listening to AI in Industry. So Grant, where I thought we'd start off in talking about enterprise search, as it's referred to often, is to talk about the problems there. Big companies have a lot of data. They have a lot of levels of access, a lot of compliance concerns. What are some of the troubles of people finding what they want in sort of this endless vat of data in the enterprise? Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. I mean, I think, you know, at its most basic level, there is just this, hey, where's my stuff? You know, there's this, I wrote this document, I know it exists, how come I can't find it? And for enterprise search, that's really table stakes these days. Where it really starts to get interesting is this aha moment that you start to have once you've got good enterprise search in place where you realize that, hey, I've got all my data in this thing called an enterprise search engine, and I've got all these users who are interacting with it. Now, what can I start to do to enable them to take action on it, right? You know, I mean, I think we've all just in our day-to-day lives with business had this moment of, you know, I've looked at lots of dashboards. I've seen all kinds of pretty charts, but there's always this question then of what do I do next, Right. And I think this next generation of enterprise search applications and just search applications, I guess, at the end of the day, is really about how do you help people take that next best action? Right. Help me make that decision on sales. Help me make that decision on who we should market to. Help me make that decision on, you know, where I should go to lunch or what I should buy. Yeah. And because search is so pervasive, we want that across the board. I am pretty eager to dive into kind of specific use cases and questions that might be answered. One thing that I'd like to kind of poke into here is 
again, a little bit more on why some of this isn't transparent now. You mentioned a little bit off microphone that you know people are getting into data lakes, they're hurling data in there, but it's tough to get things out. Is there a little bit of context on why that's tough? Is there anything that kind of addresses maybe part of the root of why it's tough for many businesses today? It's a couple of things. At the first level, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? You know, just throwing up a system like HDFS or Hadoop or one of those things and having a, you know, quote unquote, big data strategy that's all IT driven only gets you so far, right? You know, I could start adding in all of these data sources into my data lake, but if there's not a plan to migrate the applications that were built on those previous data systems to the new data lake, then what difference does it make, right? Because all the people who are used to doing their jobs using the individual systems, it's not like they can all of a sudden move to the data lake. And if it takes you a super long time to port those applications, it will never happen, right? Because I've got to still do my job, right? Yeah. The, the next level then is like, okay, well, well, what the heck is even in there, right? How do I figure that out? And so people start to say, well, you know, hey, I stored this document in here. Where is it? I had all these log files, so on and so forth. And most of these big data systems, just they don't go the last mile, right? They don't get to the user. You know, the way I think about it is like, how do we help the user? Not necessarily, how do I help IT have a bigger budget for their big data system? How do you get answers to the business so that they can make better decisions? Yeah, there's a compelling case there. There are somewhat common gripes of, hey, we hurled everything into Hadoop, but like we don't do anything. Or, uh, hey, we paid Cloudera X amount of money and we don't do anything. And I got nothing against Cloudera, by the way. You know, we've had them on the show and they're nice people. Yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of the time you hurl stuff into a lake, it's not going to go the last mile. Does part of this have to do with having a better mix of people in the room when that quote unquote data strategy, very expensive data strategy gets kicked off? Do we want to be having business folks, operating folks, folks answering you know, bottom line, you know, balance sheet oriented questions and taking strategic actions Do more of them need to be in the room when the big IT stuff gets figured out on the front end. It almost feels like it's maybe getting done in a silo sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, in many ways, it's just yet another silo, which was supposedly what it was supposed to solve in the first place yeah. and ironically hasn't at all. You know, I'm never one for big, huge meetings, but I think you're probably on to something in the sense that the big data movement has primarily been marketed to IT as this panacea for all things wrong with the business. And it left out a lot of stakeholders, at least the projects I've seen that have failed have left out the stakeholders. The people who are getting value, I think to your point, they do bring in the lines of business. They think about the last mile. They think about what is the application that I'm going to deliver on top of this, not just how do I store data cheaper or how do I store more data? Yeah, yeah. Very important distinction. I mean, it's a lot like machine learning in some way, right? I mean, you can get a bunch of PhDs in a room, but who's feeding them the context of the problems we're solving that are going to drive business value because we need some subject matter expertise if we're going to hope that this money is going to turn into something. So with that being said, maybe hopefully folks will develop data strategies that are a little bit more friendly to the folks who are operating and taking actions. But, you know, maybe some people have already invested in systems that maybe do not cover the last mile. Let's maybe switch over to talk a bit about what AI can permit and allow for now in that circumstance. In a circumstance where data is pretty cloudy, what can be done to help answer questions that are more overt and more directly useful in business? Yeah, there's a lot that can be done. You know, first off, 
I always like to be pretty pragmatic here and that there's also a lot of low hanging fruit that doesn't necessarily have to involve AI. I know, you know, we're talking about AI and that's, of course, the main focus. But I always like to make sure whenever, for instance, we go in and talk to customers that we are grounded in reality and we've done, you know, the quote unquote easy things. Right. Because, you know, let's face it, if you weren't capable of implementing something that's been around for 20 years and is pretty well understood and you don't have that in place, then saying you're going to go do AI is going to be problematic. Yep. Right. The challenge for AI often in the enterprise, especially, you know, employee facing applications is most internal enterprise applications, you know, the reason they often fail is because they fail to account for the user. And I think that lack of user understanding is then, you know, applies to the AI space here as well. The tricky part in AI with the enterprise is you don't always have the massive user feedback loops like you do in consumer facing, you know, like what a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon has. You don't always have that kind of feedback in the enterprise, you know, you don't have a million clicks a day that says somebody likes this piece of data more than that, right? So you have to know when and where to pick your battles. You have to know when something like a deep learning is going to work versus, you know, something simpler like logistic regression or a supervised approach versus an unsupervised approach. I look at all of this as I got to have a palette, you know, that I can say, oh, hey, you know, give me a little clustering here. Give me some NLP over here. Give me some classification over here and just give me some simple counting over there and kind of mash all that together. And then for me, you know, feed it into a search engine because then I can surface it to users a lot easier. That's the way to be successful with AI in the enterprise, especially. Yeah, I'll certainly drive that point home. I mean, the frame within we speak about AI here on the AI and Industry podcast is really within like, what are the capabilities that are worthwhile? I'm completely on board with where you are. And hopefully the readers have had this beaten into their ears enough times that If you don't need AI and it's going to cost more money and more talent and going to be more complicated to upkeep for a particular functionality, then by all means, don't leverage it. If there's a capability space that AI allows for that other tools don't, and that ends up being worth the investment, then let's go ahead and consider it. But I'm totally on board and the audience should be too, that, you know, if there's low hanging fruit where AI isn't required for search, you know, again, by all means, let's skip over it. In terms of the things that couldn't be done without it, are there any things kind of direct capabilities, direct examples of, well, in order to do this, you're going to need AI. And, and this is what maybe, you know, could be done in business today. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, where you really start to get at the interesting things. I mean, you know, especially the current AI movement has really unlocked some new data sources that I think, you know, the previous versions of AI just weren't that good at dealing with. So image content, video content, audio content, Some smarter NLP capabilities that are coming down the line have all unlocked capabilities that, you know, for somebody who's been doing this for a fair bit of time now, I get super excited about because it's like, yeah, I used to demo that and the demo was always great. But then the reality of trying to implement it, you know, five, 10 years ago was just not quite tractable or it was tractable for this one use case, but I could never carry it over. Whereas now these techniques you know, there's so much more investment that we can leverage. The compute power is there. The data is there such that we can start to leverage them more and more in the enterprise. So 
you know, at the simplest level, I think we all just struggle with how do you organize your data better, right? How do we label it? How do we curate it? You talked about compliance earlier. How do we know who can see what, when, and where? Like all of those things have AI applications, as well as just the simple access question of what do I need to know right now? Like that is fundamentally a ranking question that's going to look at a lot of different pieces of data and say, hey, Dan, you know, you're about to do this interview with Grant. You really should go (laughs) have these three things that you know about Grant before you go do that interview, right? And an AI system can learn that. In fact, one of our big bank customers that we're working with does exactly this working around what they call next best action with their salespeople. And effectively, Mm. anything and everything that happens when a customer touches the bank ends up in a system that is driven by search with an AI component to it, such that when I'm, you know, Grant Wealth Advisor at Big Bank, I log in in the morning and it says, hey, Grant, you know, Dan just had a kid. You should go talk to Dan about a 529 plan. Or it says, hey, Dan was just on the site and wants to sell his shares of, you know, Acme Company. You should go talk to Dan, right? You know, because at the end of the day, like these guys have so many people they need to service, they need to know where to spend their time. Yeah. And that ultimately brings to me that full circle around being human centric with AI, right? Is how do I enable you to make better decisions? How do I enable you to service more people with less number of people or, you know, faster, better, et cetera, right? And that's where that ranking function is really killer. And AI feeds into that really nicely. Yeah. And so this is kind of touching on, again, you were getting into an actual example here. We are definitely seeing more and more in banking. In fact, if you go on Google and you type AI in banking, you'll see our URL kind of tyrannically dominating a lot of permutations of that term. And there is interest around wealth management and you know enabling sales folks. Because like you said, we've got a lot of moving parts, a lot of activity maybe on site, and that should be contextually available to a salesperson or should maybe even prompt them to do something. Now, is this partially an enterprise search problem in some way? It sounds like this is something you guys are working on. I wasn't aware that that was in your purview. Does this in some way get categorized as enterprise search or is this more sort of pulling from various data sources to do maybe decision support on the fly? Where do we kind of categorize this? The enterprise search moniker is a bit outdated at the end of the day, but some people call it search-driven analytics. I kind of like to take a step back and think about how do we reframe how we think about data? Being a computer science guy like me, and for I'm sure a good chunk of your people in your audience, you know SQL. And you know, kind of classically, like if you put a bunch of data in Excel, you can, you know, sort by a particular column. And you can say, oh, I want to sort by, you know, column A or column B or column C. And that's kind of been the notion of relational databases for a long, long time. Yep. Right. If you think about a search engine at its core, it's really not that different, other than my sort function says sort by what's important, right? And it's often a combination of a lot of different factors. That use case around next best action, you know, they're taking in customer recent activity. They're taking in new products that the bank has. They're taking in, when did you last talk to this person? Did they have any life events? They're taking in all of these things and they're basically asking search function to say, hey, could you rank these things for me? Could you tell me what is the first most important thing? And then the second important, that is what a search engine has been built for since day one. It's just traditionally, most people think of it as, you know, let me put in a keyword and get back a bunch of text. But the reality is these modern search engines 
enable you to do text data. They enable you to do spatial data. They enable you to do numeric data, categorical data. And oh, by the way, you can plug in very advanced ranking functions, whether that's something like a TensorFlow or some other deep learning library, or it's just something that you built in-house, right? So you can kind of mash together these things really easily and then say, hey, show me what's important, right? Show me what I should put at the top of my list. Yeah. So when people are thinking about sort of structuring all of this potentially available data that sometimes just ends up in, you know, what you had aptly called kind of a new silo. When it comes to freeing that, it sounds like beginning with the end in mind is the name of the game. And some of this sounds like kind of a bespoke setup, you know, for different businesses, this is going to be a different sort of a thing. We're going to have different proxies for what is a hot customer, a hot lead, a useful action, or let's say a relevant notification in different circumstances, right? So it sounds like there really will need to be some in-house smarts on what are those signals, probably some in-house data understanding of what data could lead to those signals in order to build something of this kind out. You know, I look at it as, you know, obviously I try to deliver a product that gets somebody most of the way there, but there is always this last bit that is, how do I apply my business logic to the data I have such that I can then deliver it to my users so that they can consume it, right? So it's not as bespoke as you think. We often, for instance, are up and running with these types of applications in weeks, not months or years. Sometimes it's as little as a few days, believe it or not. You sound like a vendor uh, right know, now, the, the Grant. You, you broad... should... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, all, it's all good, no, bro. It's no, all... No, I got to no, no, hit you. I got to hit you, man. That's part of my job. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's all right. It's all right. Do your thing, bro. Do your thing. When you're going across a lot of different data sources, there's going to be a lot of your company logic that needs to go into that system, right? So there yeah. is no silver bullet here, yeah. and I'm not going to stand in front of you and try to claim yeah. that there is yeah. because, you know, you need to bring your priorities to the game here. Yep. And that's part of kind of bringing us around the circle, Grant. Maybe this is a good place to wrap up, you know, kind of like having different people at the table when you're building out that big data strategy. Well, when you're talking about accessing the data, you need more than IT people too. And I think, let me know if I'm correct here, but I'm thinking of nutshelling your point. Your point is when you're, again, developing a strategy to extract that, to visualize that, to make that operational, sure, we're going to need our tech folks, but we're going to need to know exactly how does that show up and how useful can we make it. And there's a lot of subject matter expertise that's going to be a really important part of that last mile that I guess you had called very difficult in many ways in some businesses. You're dead on. You've got it nicely summarized there. And you know, the beauty is, is your business users are more technical than ever and your technical users are more business savvy than ever. I think this is, a, you know, especially an emerging trend as well yeah. within the successful companies. And so by bringing those two people together, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And AI then is the piece that glues together the long-term learning about how, you know, those folks are interacting with their content. I'm grateful for that trend as well and kind of the crossover of technical and business. And we sure are going to need a lot of it to breathe life into AI in the way that we hope it will. So I've got my fingers crossed that that'll continue. And Grant, I sincerely appreciate you sharing your insights here on AI and industry. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI 
in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI in Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.